0: You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. We're going to have a great time in the Word of God today. Did you come ready to receive from the Word and by the Holy Ghost, and uh, I want you to just keep an attitude of faith and believe God. I, uh, let me say this before we get into the message, and the things that we're talking about, so I alluded to this last week, but the things that we're talking about uh, as far as love is concerned, and by the way, this is week number three in our series called Love Never Fails, uh, I never apologize and never will apologize for preaching on this subject in particular uh, as often as I can. Now, it's been a couple of years since we've talked about it, but um, you know, you, you just can't exhaust this subject, just like faith and, and some of the other things in the Bible. But I believe this one, this subject, the love of God, is near and dear to the Father's heart. He wants us to have a revelation. Of his love. And so I believe that you, you can't really talk about it too much. So, as I encouraged you last week, don't allow yourself, if we talk about some things that we've talked about before, don't allow yourself to uh, maybe tune it out because I've heard that before. No, just say, I'm, I'm believing God that yes, I might have heard some of this content before, but I'm going to get something new out of it. Amen? Will you, will you believe with me for that? Praise the Lord. Well, let me pray over the word before we get into it. Father, thank you for the privilege that I have as a pastor of this church to stand before these precious people and to minister the word of God to them. Lord, I, I stand humbled and in reverential awe of the responsibility that I have and that's been given to me by the Lord Jesus, the head of the church to be in this position and to be able to minister the word of God to your precious sheep. Father, I thank you for the anointing that's upon my life. I like the spirit or like Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to teach and preach the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and your word. And so, Father, I believe that we have anointed ears to hear, hearts that are open and ready to receive and that we will be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's look at our foundation scripture found in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verses 4 through 8, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. By the way, if you came in and didn't get a handout, if you need one, just hold your hand up. We'll get one to you in the back, or if you need a pen, we'll get one of those to you. But 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 Says this love endures long and is patient and is kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily, it is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride, it is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person, its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening and say these three words with me, love never fails. Now again, I want to ask you the question in your dictionary or your thinking or thinking and your learning, uh, your knowledge, does the, does the word never mean the same to you that it does to me? So what that means is, is if we will operate in the love of God the way God has described and, and instructed us to, then we will not experience failure in that area. And so uh, we, we talked last week and, and the previous week about how love is a commandment. It's not a suggestion. We read John the 13th chapter in the 34th and 35th verse where Jesus said a new commandment I give to you. I didn't put it in your notes this week, but you can refer back to it. But he said, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. So these are the standards. This in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, and then what Jesus told us in in John, the 13th chapter, that we are to love one another as he has loved us. These are the standards of love. So... By the way, this is not a suggestion. This is a commandment that the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, gave to us for us to obey and to do and to fulfill it. So I don't know about you, but when I see something that Jesus instructs me to do, I want to say, and I believe you do as well, Lord, yes, sir, whatever you want in my life, that's what I will do. So we're making the decision, and if we haven't already, that we're going to walk in the love of God. Amen? Amen. Now I want to ask you some questions. Anybody in here ever been offended or hurt? Okay, I think that's pretty much all of us. Been hurt by a friend, hurt by a sibling, hurt by a spouse, hurt on your job, hurt by some other family member? Anybody been hurt in church before? Okay, well listen, if you've been a part of a church... I don't care how perfect you think that church is, it was no longer perfect when you showed up. That's a joke. I'm just teasing. But it really is the truth. There is no such thing as a perfect church. And uh, sometimes in church, um, you know, and this isn't a sermon about church attendance and church membership and all of that, but there used to be, when I was a little boy, uh, some commercials that ran uh, on television that were actually sponsored by the government Uh, The ad council that said Attend the church of your choice Well I knew what they were trying to say And they meant well But that's actually, actually unscriptural You do not have the right To attend the church of your choice The Bible says That Jesus sets Members in the church As it pleases him So what we have a responsibility To do as believers Is to find out where are we Supposed to be and then we're supposed to get connected there and get plugged in there and be a part of that local church. And I trust and, and surely hope and believe that you all are sitting in this room today because you are assigned to be here. And so when you're assigned in a place, you know, and you are uh, there because you know God wants you to be there, something like a fence is not that big of a deal. Okay, you learn how to let those things roll off your back and uh, because listen, I'm human. I am, please don't put me up on a pedestal. I am, it is possible that I may say or do anything unintentionally, of course, but may say or do something that might bother you or offend you. I don't mean to, but you can't, if this is where your assignment is, I'm sorry, but you don't have the right to get upset and leave just because you got offended. Now, let me qualify that. If there are shenanigans going on that are not worthy of the gospel and and do not please the Lord, then yes, you can leave a church. But I promise you, there are no behind-the-scenes shenanigans going on. I'm not, well, you know. Anyway, you get the point. So what I'm trying to say is, is that it, you know, if you've been hurt in church, welcome to the club. I think we all have in one form or another. But what we have to do is, is we're going to have to learn how to address these things. Now, let me ask another question. Well, you know, I asked you if you've ever been hurt before. How about this? I bet I won't get the same response. How many of you have ever been the one that hurt somebody? Oh, I didn't get as many hands that time. Okay, all right. I think we're all guilty because we're human. So in talking about relationships, we need to talk about, again, and we started on this last week, but how do we deal with offenses? Now, it it is required that we do deal with these things because God does not want us to go through life offended and bitter and angry and just mad Christians, there's nothing worse than being around a mad, angry, bitter Christian. Okay, and I, I know we don't have any of those here, but we've got to learn how to deal with these things. And so we're going to learn today about forgiveness. So I really, and I know I've taught it before, but I really want you to pay close attention Take notes, write some things down, and here's the main thing that I want you to do, okay? Examine your heart. Let the Holy Ghost speak to you. Give Him permission from the the onset of this message to say this, Holy Spirit, if there's any unforgiveness or malice or anger or bitterness in my heart, please reveal it to me so we can address it. Do you agree to do that? Okay, all right. Thank you for those four people that are going to do that. Now, let's look and see why, again, that we need to deal with this. Let's go to Mark, the 11th chapter, verses 22 through 26. I wasn't able to put all of these verses in your notes, but you're familiar with them. They're on the screen. Mark eleven twenty-two. Jesus answered and said to the disciples, Have faith in God. For assuredly, verse 23, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And we teach these scriptures and we emphasize them and talk about how You can have what you say if you believe what you say will come to pass. We talk about and we teach how Jesus said that we can pray the prayer of faith and we can believe that we receive answers. And those are wonderful truths and they are biblical truths that we need to live and operate in. However, in verse 25, Jesus did not stop. He did not pause. He did not take a breath. Matter of fact, the first word in verse 25 is and. Everybody say and. And. So that means that what he's getting ready to say is connected to what he just said. So let's find out, what did he say? Verse 25, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses? Now, Jesus felt like this was important enough, and listen to this, of all the times that Jesus taught, and he taught on faith, this is the only time in his teachings that he attached this, so apparently this is very important where your faith is concerned. So that being said, What Jesus is showing us, and write this down, please, unforgiveness is the main obstacle to your faith working and our prayers being answered. Now, there might be other obstacles, but I would say if this merits Jesus attaching this to what he taught us on faith, then it must be the main thing. Okay, so what we need to learn how to do, if we want our prayers to be answered, we want our words to come to pass, then we're going to have to learn how do I forgive? Now, I want to just say this to you because in the past, and I've said this before, in the past, I have taught that unforgiveness was this. This is the way, I mean, unforgiveness works this way. When you forgive somebody, You release the offense, you let it go, and you forget it. And if you haven't forgotten it, you haven't forgiven them. And that's the way I used to teach that. I don't teach it that way anymore. And I'll explain to you why in just a moment. And, uh, you know, there are some things about forgiveness that we need to understand uh, the way God operates. Now, write this down, please. There are three parts to forgiveness. Okay. The first one is this, the heart of forgiveness, the heart of forgiveness. That means you forgive them in your heart. Now I also used to teach and wrongfully so, but you know, thank God for revelation. I also used to teach that when you forgive someone, you place them back in right standing with you relationally. And that is not true. Okay? Now I'm going to show you from the Word of God what that means. So there's the heart of forgiveness. Everybody say heart, heart. of forgiveness. Okay, say it again. Heart, heart of forgiveness. This is where you forgive someone in your heart. Number two is the act of forgiveness. There's two different things here. The heart of forgiveness and the act of forgiveness, all right? Then the last one is the restoration of the position of the relationship. So there's the heart of forgiveness, there's the act of forgiveness, and then restoration takes place. Now let me go ahead and give you the punchline so I can lay this out for you, and then we'll build our case. With the heart of forgiveness in my heart, I forgive someone of the offense that they made towards me. However, I am not required to put them back into right standing with me relationally until the next step takes place and that is predicated by repentance. See, we have this misconception that that says just because I forgive someone, I'm supposed to open my heart, my life, everything back up to them and and basically put a sign on my back that says, kick me again. And that's not the way we're supposed to live, nor is that the way that Jesus taught us to forgive. So with the heart of forgiveness, if you offend me, I am to instantaneously, at the moment, forgive you in my heart. But... Unless you come to me and repent, I do not have an obligation to restore the relationship. Are are you listening to me? Okay. Because here's the thing, and this is where we've misunderstood this in, in, in the church. Jesus never has intended on anybody being a punching bag for somebody else. Literally or figuratively. Nor has he said to you... Now, somebody said, well, pastor, what about where he said, turn the other cheek? Totally different subject. If you read in Matthew 6 and 7 where he's doing the Sermon on the Mount and he teaches about turning the other cheek, you have to put it into context. And he is talking to his disciples about ministry. As a minister... I do not need to defend myself. And if somebody tries to uh, sue me for something, whatever it might be, Jesus said, if they want your coat, give it to them. That's a minister. That's not every believer. Are you listening to me? So if I get persecuted because of what I preach and the way that I'm supposed to live, now doing right as a pastor then what I'm supposed to do is turn the other cheek. But Jesus never intended and taught as believers that we're supposed to, if somebody walks up and slaps the fool out of you on the side of your face, you're supposed to turn your head and say, you want to do it again? That is not what Jesus was teaching. However, that's what we've implied and taught from the pulpit in the body of Christ. And that's not what he was teaching at all. So the process of forgiveness is, if you offend me, I release that offense in my heart, okay? But if you choose not to repent of the offense and how you wronged me, then I'm not obligated to restore that relationship. Now, I'm going to explain this to you. Are are you tracking with me, okay? Listen to me. So let's look at it from God's viewpoint. God is the model of these three parts right here. So let's look at it from God's viewpoint. So here's the first thing. Write this down, please. When Jesus died for us, he died for all. Can we agree on that? Okay, you know that when Jesus died on the cross, uh, you know, he didn't just pay the price for those sinners who were alive at that time. No, he paid the price for all mankind. He died for us all, once and for all. But what I want us to see is, well, let's look at a couple of scriptures. Verse, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. When Adam sinned, this is the new living, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Can I say this to you? So let me turn or just replace a word. When Adam sinned, offense entered the world. Adam's offense brought death, so offense spread to everyone, for everyone offended God. Okay? All right. Why? Because God is holy and Adam messed up. Let's drop down in that same chapter to verse 18. Yes, Adam's offense brings condemnation for everyone, but look at this. But Christ, one act of righteousness, brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone, okay? So we can agree that because of Adam's sin, sin and death spread to everybody, but because Jesus came and paid the price, this scripture says a right relationship with God and new life is available for everyone, okay? Can we agree on that, all right? Now, but does that mean that every human being is now in right relationship with God and walking in new life. Say it again. No, it doesn't mean that. But that's what the Scripture seems to imply. No, it doesn't. Why? Because there is something that must take place between God's heart of forgiveness and what man has to do in order to receive the act of forgiveness. All right, let's go on. Jesus never again has to die, does he? Okay, he's already paid the price. So in the heart of God, the price for everyone has been paid, right? Okay, all right. So here's the second thing. Write this down, please. So in God's heart, we are all forgiven, Can we agree on that? Every man, woman, boy, and girl. Listen, I'm going to say this to you. The most wicked people that have ever walked the face of the planet, the most evil person you can imagine, they in God's heart were forgiven. Okay? But does that mean they were in right relationship with God? No, it does not. But because the price had been paid... God had released the offense that sin had made because of Adam's sin and his transgression, okay? Um, So again, we know from what the Bible teaches that there is something that must take place uh, in addition to what Jesus did in order for a person to be in right relationship with God. Now, we don't have to die on the cross. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to deserve it. But there is something we must do. Okay? What is it? Write this down. We must acknowledge the truth that we are sinners. And I'm talking about before the new birth. Believe what Jesus did for us. Repent. And then we receive the act of forgiveness. Okay, so let me walk you through this process again. So, um, when a sinner, well, you know, sin came and offense came. So, because the Bible says we are, outside of Christ, we are in enmity with God. That's a fancy word for saying we're, we're put out with God. We don't have a relationship. All right, so... Jesus is sent to the cross by the Father. He dies the horrible death. He is dead, buried, and resurrected from the dead. The price was paid for all at one time. Once and for all, the Bible says. So in the heart of God, every human being is already forgiven because the price has been paid. But in order to receive the act of forgiveness... You and I have to come to God and say, God, I acknowledge that without you, I am lost. I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe he was raised from the dead and I make him the Lord of my life. Boom, at that moment, we can receive the act of forgiveness and now there's a work that happens in us that causes us to be back or put into right relationship with God. Okay, are you tracking with me here? All right. So what do we have to do? Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So again, the act of forgiveness happens after repentance. Being put in right relationship with God happens after you acknowledge that Jesus died for you, that you needed him as your Savior, and you make him the Lord of your life, and you are born again. Therefore, you are placed in right relationship with God. Okay? So I, w- I want to make that crystal clear. Because that's exactly the model that God wants us to walk in in forgiving other people. Okay? All right. So how do I forgive? Well, let's go look. I want to show you. We're going to look at some, uh, several verses that uh, Peter went and asked Jesus. Okay? Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, Jesus replied, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, he's talking about the heart of forgiveness. So if someone, and hopefully you don't have anybody in your life that's offending you that much in one day, but if you do, in your heart, you are supposed to forgive them 490 times in one day. And then Jesus gives a parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be, be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and children and everything he owned to pay the debt. And that's something that they did in that day. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, saying, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. Now notice what happened. He owed the man, okay? He was in debt to the man. He came to the man and basically said, I have no way of being able to make this right. Will, you know, will you have pity on me? And so the man did. He forgave him of the debt. Verse 28, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Now you compare that to millions of dollars. So, and I've heard some, uh, actually it was much less than that in money of the day. So he grabbed him by the throat. This is one servant to another servant. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it. In other words, he was repenting. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man that he had forgiven. Notice the terminology Jesus used. And said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. You came and you repented. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That is also something they did in that day. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you to refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters. Now, this is the whole key right here. From your heart. Okay? Now, I want to say this to you. God's not going to throw you in prison. In other words, he doesn't... Um, He doesn't turn you over to Satan and say, per se, and say, uh, uh, you know, here's what I need you to do. I need you to make this guy's life a living hell because he didn't forgive his brother. No, what he does is he just steps away from your life. And as I have said to you before, one of the greatest or most serious things God could ever do to you is step away from you and leave you by yourself because then you're exposed to anything and everything the devil wants to bring to pass in your life. And unforgiveness will open the door for that. But my point is this, this last verse, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So what this tells me is this, and I'm going to explain this more in just a moment. But if they never come and repent to you, we are required in our hearts to forgive them. Do you see that? Okay. So what do we do here? Let me walk you through. How do I forgive? Here's the first thing you do. Number one, write this down. In your heart, you begin forgiving by releasing any ill will towards them and wish goodwill to them. Okay? Now what does that mean? That means that you don't sit around and say "Uh, sick them God. (laughs) I need you to get on them God. Let them have what's coming to them God. Okay? No. What you do is you say Lord right here in my heart I forgive them of that offense. And Father, I ask you to help them. I ask you to work in their life, pour mercy out in their life like you have me. Okay? Matter of fact, let me show you what God did when, he, when Jesus showed up in the earth. You know, we gloss right over this and we don't understand it. Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, when the angels showed up to the shepherds and announced the birth of Christ... Notice what they said. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, good will toward men. What does that mean? I, God is saying through the angels, he's declaring and saying, I am getting ready to pour out my good will to every human being that, has, that will ever walk the face of the earth through what my son will do. So in God's heart, He's already in the process of forgiving humanity even before Jesus died. In other words, God's wanting goodwill towards people. God doesn't hate anybody. Now, He hates sin. And He hates what sin does to people. But He loves people. All right. So, you got it so far. Okay, so in my heart, Father... I forgive them right now in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, work in their life. Bless them, Father. Help them in Jesus' name. Now, you may not be able to pray. You may not just because emotionally, you know, I'm not saying that you break down with tears. Oh, God, oh, I just pray, Father. And you just go into hours of intercession for them and all that. That probably won't happen depending on the degree of the offense. It might be all you can do to say, Father, I forgive them in my heart right now in the name of Jesus. Help them, Lord. Amen. That might be all you can do. All right. I'm just being real. Okay. All right. Number two, with a heart of forgiveness, and we touched on this last week, you release that person from owing you a debt to make things right between you. Remember, Jesus prayed, and we quoted this last week. Matthew 6, he said, In the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. As we forgive our debtors, okay? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus actually used the terminology. And when you are offended... What happens is you feel like they owe you something. At at the very least, and I'm sorry. Okay? That's that's a debt. And what you have to be willing to do is release them from that debt. Father, in Jesus' name, they don't owe me anything. I release them from that debt, and I forgive it. Remember? Remember? what we just read that Jesus, the story Jesus gave us, those debtors, I forgive them of that debt. Okay? Number three, this might be something you do many times. Again, depending on the degree of the offense. But do it until you have fully released the debt. Now, can I say this to you? Somebody that pulls out in front of you in traffic, you probably aren't going to have to work that hard to forgive them. I mean, come on, let's be real. I mean, unless they caused an accident, you know, and bad things happened and all that. But if they just pulled out in front of you and made you mad, and you got offended, Lord, help them in Jesus' name. Apparently, they're in a bigger hurry than me. I forgive them. Versus, I'm talking about somebody that really does you wrong. Maybe in business, or you've had a family member that has done you wrong, or, uh, you know, whatever the case might be. There's varying degrees of the offense. But the, and, and I would say this the greater the degree of the offense, it might be that you have to do this many times. Because here's what you, well, let I me. Mean, Let me re-quote what Jesus said, and we read it a moment ago, all right? Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? Now, again, we're talking in our hearts. Seven times? Jesus said, no, not seven times, 70 times seven, implying that there might be some some things that happen that you get offended that might require you 490 times a day to deal with it, okay? Because here's why, all right? Write this down. I don't, know, I don't remember if I included this in your notes. I don't think I did. But there is no such thing as spiritual amnesia. As much as we would like for it to happen. You remember, anybody ever seen the movie Men in Black? Okay, y'all, two spiritual people. Any of us heathens that have seen Men in Black? Okay. You remember that little thing that they have that they flash the people and it makes them forget the memories? See, that's what we kind of hope God would do. But that doesn't happen, okay? Because you work real hard and you forgive them in your heart and you forgive them in your heart. But guess what happens the next time you see that person? Somebody tell me. Remember. You remember. And your flesh wants to say, uh-huh, I'm glad we in the same place because <laughs> I'm, okay, all right. That's what you want to do. All right. Why? Because there's no such thing as spiritual amnesia. When you walk in the room and there's that person and all of a sudden those flashbacks start happening, here's what you're going to have to do. Father, I have forgiven them in Jesus' name. They don't owe me anything. They, if they don't come and say one word, jack, boo, nothing to me, they don't owe me anything. And you might have to do that in in the presence of that person 490 times. That's what Jesus was telling you. That's what he was trying to get Peter to realize. Because what Peter was really looking for was, Lord, if I show up, they're there, and I've already forgiven them once, do I have to do it again? That's really what he was asking. Okay. Why? Because your flesh doesn't want to do that. Your flesh wants to get even. Your flesh wants some kind of resolution. Your flesh wants some kind of recompense. Your flesh wants them to make it right. And guess what? You may not get what your flesh wants, and you have a responsibility to keep your heart right. Are you listening to me? Okay, am I helping anybody? Okay, number four. If and when... They come to you and repent. Then you extend to them the act of forgiveness and move towards restoring the position of the relationship. Okay, privilege and benefits and everything that come with being in relationship with you. But only if they repent. See, here's what people have thought and misunderstood. Let's say a business thing. Let's say you go into business with somebody and you're doing your best and you're trying to do everything right and they screw you over big time. Take advantage of you and just mess you up. Jack you up. Okay? What is your obligation? Well, my obligation is, in my heart, I forgive them. And, and I release any debt or necessity for them to come to me and make it right. Okay? So... What if they come and repent? Well, then what I have to do is I have to begin the process of, okay, you have repented, so now we can begin to try and mend the relationship. But it in no way, shape, or form means that I open myself up for you to take advantage of me again. Now, it's a shame that we would even have to talk about Christians doing stuff like that, but it happens. Okay? All right? So, how do I know if they have repented? Because words are one thing. Okay? You know, somebody can come and tell you, I'm sorry, a million times. But how do you know if they're genuinely sorry? And by the way, repentance does not mean just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance means there is a change of behavior. I hope I'm helping somebody because I'm having fun preaching this, okay? Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, John the Baptist told the religious leaders when they were coming to get baptized by John, and uh, baptism at that time was a sign, an outward sign of repentance. Meaning, God, I want to make this right. I want to be right with you. So John the Baptist told them, he said this, Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. So when you have been offended and that person comes and repents to you, you are afforded the opportunity to let them prove it to you by their changed behavior. Okay? Okay. You, you, as a Christian, it does not mean you immediately go back into the same level of relationship with them. I, I hope I'm helping you guys, okay? So when someone meets the qualifications in that they acknowledge the truth, repent, and show the fruits of repentance, then I must show them the act of forgiveness, okay? Now, where bitterness comes in is when all that has taken place and I refused to let my heart back open to them. Okay? All right. Now, what happens if that never happens? Meaning, uh, they never come and say, I'm sorry, or show any kind of signs of repentance. Okay? Well, write this down. Number five, if they never repent and ask for forgiveness then you let them go and you trust God with the outcome. You're in no, under no obligation to re-engage with them. Now, there are people, uh, you know, even as a, as a pastor, that, uh, you know, there are, are people, and this isn't recent, so don't try and figure out who I'm talking about, that have tried to harm this church, okay? I forgave them in my heart, but until there is repentance and I see fruit of repentance, I am in no way obligated to open this church or my ministry back up to them, okay? And the same thing is true for you, all right? Now... (laughs) Are you excited? Okay. So, so if they never come and never repent, never say I'm sorry, and you live out the rest of your life and you have no attempt by them to try and make it right, here's what you do. You forgive them in your heart. You release them from that debt that they owe you something and you go on with your life. Now here's what you do when you do that. When you forgive and you forgive from your heart and you refuse to hold any bitterness or anger or malice towards them, you open the door. Now here's what where God is so good, y'all. He will step in and make right what they did to you. He'll restore what they stole. He'll restore the damage that was caused if you allow him to by getting or keeping forgiveness in your heart, okay? So quickly, let me wrap this up. Can I hate them? Can I hold malice in my heart for the rest of my life? Okay, what is malice? Malice is simply this, the desire to see harm come to somebody because of what they did to you. Okay, that's malice. Let's look at Ephesians four thirty one in the Amplified. This pretty much sums it up. This is one of those mic drop scriptures. Okay, Paul said this: Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, a bad temper, and resentment, anger or animosity, and quarreling, and if you're <laughs> if you have a tendency to lean this way, brawling, you bet not be getting in any fights. Okay clamor or contention, slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language. The reason that he, by the Holy Spirit, added that in there was because the tendency when we're offended is we want to slander people. Mm Mm-hmm. I ain't one to gossip, but you know what they did? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. That's slander. All right. So evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language be banished from you with... All malice. Now, what's amazing to me is he's writing this scripture to Christians. These ain't heathen people he's telling to quit fussing, quit fighting. You know, this is Christians that he has to tell, release and let go of the malice, any spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. Let it go. Okay, why? 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 All right, here's why. Romans 12, 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Okay, here's the bottom line. Don't you try to get justice? Let God handle the justice part. And I've always been so amazed in a very positive way and just, it blesses my heart when I, you know, and occasionally you hear about this in the news where someone uh, will have a family member that's been murdered and the, the family gets together or maybe a particular member of that family makes the decision to forgive that person. Now, they're going to sp- spend the le- rest of their life in jail or whatever because of the crime that they committed. So, so justice is not an issue, but the, the truth of the matter is they let go of the desire for that person to be to experience death like their loved one did. And that always amazes me. And I ask myself the question, could I do that? And I know that when I see someone do that, you you have to say they must be a believer. Because the only way that somebody could do that is if the love of God is in their heart. Okay? So... And I'm helping you understand what, what we do when that person never repents. We must come to a place that we trust that God is the only one that can truly settle the score. Really, He is the only one. And we let go of the anger and malice and leave that justice up to Him. We walk in an attitude of forgiveness towards those people. We let go of any anger, malice, and bitterness towards them and then leave the payback and justice up to God. So let me, let me show you a scripture that we often apply to other things, but it really means this as well, and that's Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. And, uh, you know, I like the New Living because it actually says it this way. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. That's true for every one of us. So if they sow offense, guess what they're going to reap? Yeah. If they steal from you or take advantage of you or hurt and harm you in some way, guess what they're going to reap? Hurt, harm, destruction of some kind. Now, You can't be the one to decide that. That's the point. You have to let that go, leave that up to God, and you move on with your life. Now, what happens? I wanted, you know, as I was preparing this and getting this ready, I I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to leave it on a heavy note like that. Lord, what what can I conclude this message with that will bring inspiration to us to want to obey you and to forgive. Well, he brought me straight to this, this scripture right here in Luke 6, verse 38. Now, we, we can quote Luke 6, 38 by heart. Matter of fact, if, if I'm not mindful of it, I'll probably quote it when it comes time to receive the offering. You, you, if all I got to say is one word and you'll know where I'm going. Give and it shall be given unto you, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Did you know Jesus in the true context of that verse was not even talking about money? If you read it, okay, now that's us preachers, that's our favorite giving scripture, it seems to be. But Jesus wasn't even talking about money when he said that. Let me show you what he was talking about in uh, the Amplified Bible. It says this in Luke six thirty-seven: Judge not. Neither pronouncing judgment nor subjecting to censure, and you will not be judged. So, what this is saying is you want judgment in your life? Go around judging people. Do not condemn and pronounce guilty, and you will not be condemned and pronounced guilty. Acquit and forgive. (coughs) Excuse me. Release. Give up resentment. Let it drop. And look at this. What will happen? you will be acquitted and forgiven and released. Now, there was a couple of us earlier in the service when I posed those questions, when I said, if you've been offended, everybody raised their hand. But if I said to you, have you ever been the one that brought offense? There was a couple of us that raised our hands. I think we all could have raised our hands, okay? So that brings to bear the question then, have you ever needed forgiveness? I'm going to ask that question again because I think you need to be honest and say it with maybe just a little more oomph. And that is, have you ever needed someone, besides God, needed someone to forgive you? Maybe you said something wrong, you did something wrong, you hurt somebody's feelings. You, maybe you unintentionally, you know, caused them harm in some way or form. Have you ever needed to be forgiven? Okay. then what Jesus just got through telling us was, if you will acquit, forgive, and release, give up resentment and let it drop, you will be acquitted and forgiven and released. Now, what he's telling you is, if you need forgiveness, so forgiveness. Or let's flip it and let's say this. So forgiveness, and when you need forgiveness, it'll be there. Now, Here's the good news. God doesn't just leave it equal, okay? Because he goes on to tell us in the very next verse what will happen. Now, keep in mind, he's not talking about money. Let's just use forgiveness, all right? Look at verse 38. Forgive and forgiveness will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will they pour into your pouch, formed by the bosom of your robe, that was a term that they used for capturing seed, for with the measure that you deal out forgiveness, it will be measured back to you. But here's the good news If you get into a habit of doling out forgiveness every opportunity you get, God will make sure that it doesn't come back to you in equal portions. It will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Because there are going to be times, my brothers and sisters, when we need some running over forgiveness. And if we will... So forgiveness, God will make sure that you will harvest forgiveness. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, this is one of the most powerful things that we can get a hold of. So, all that being said, if you will walk through this process, if you get offended, forgive them in your heart. If they repent and truly mean it, and you see the fruits of their behavior and fruits of repentance in their behavior then begin the restoration process, restoring that relationship. If they never repent and come to you and try and make it right, forgive them anyway and release them of that debt and move on and trust God to make it right. That's the bottom line right there. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of this today? Praise God. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.